Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Do you have a faith that impresses God? What does it take to have such a faith? Well, we're going to see it very clearly in the passage that we're going to study today. And let me just answer that question before we get started. And that is a faith that impresses God is a faith that recognizes God's authority, his absolute authority over your life in every way. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Luke and chapter 7. The book of Luke and chapter 7. We begin in this passage looking at an individual. And what's significant is this. This individual isn't even Jewish. In fact, he's Roman and he's a soldier. And therefore, we would think that he would be an enemy of the Jewish people. But this one has faith. This one understands the significance of God's call upon Israel and the Jewish people. And when I say Israel, I mean the land and also the people. Look at verse 1. We read here, But when he fulfilled all these words of his, so Messiah had completed teaching. And remember something, more often than not, when a miracle comes, it comes after teaching to illustrate and confirm what he just taught, or if the miracle happens before a teaching, it will show us the power of that teaching. Look again at verse 1. But when he completed all of his words in the hearing of the people, he entered into Kafar Nehum or Capernaum. Now, we have been taught that Capernaum is a place of significance. It is a prophetic place for Messiah to begin to reveal himself as just that, the anointed one, the King Messiah, the one who would bring redemption to Israel first and also to the nations. And perhaps that's why a centurion is going to figure largely in this study. So he comes into Kafar Nehum, verse 2. But a certain servant of the centurion. Now, a centurion is an important soldier. He is over at least 100 men, perhaps all the way up to 999. He is an important figure and he has authority and, of course, he is under the authority of the Roman Empire. He understands, and we'll see this later on, 
He understands how authority works in this world. But he also understands a kingdom authority, a heavenly authority. And here's what's so impressive. His life reflects that. So let me ask you a question. Does your life reflect a kingdom authority? Do you recognize that in all things that he is Lord? What does that mean? That you are called to always submit to God's instructions that we encounter in his word. You will not be blessed. You will not know God's provision. You will not experience God's presence in your life unless you and I submit to the authority of God through his word and through the person of Yeshua, that is, Jesus of Nazareth. Look again at verse 2. There's an emphasis here on this certain servant of the centurion. And it says here that he was having something. Now, your Bible may say that simply he had sickness, but if we look at this word, it's a most significant one. You will find that if you do a study of this word, it literally means that which is evil. And what do we learn about that word evil in the Bible? Not according to God's will. Here's what wisdom is. When we are committed to the will of God and our life reflects that, that's how we demonstrate that we're under God's authority. So here there's something not according to God's authority. Now, there's going to be a word that appears here that today with all the foolishness and the beginning of apostasy, you will have some who think that they are intelligent, but really all of their learning and all of their desires to be politically correct has caused them to be in God's eyes not only foolish, but rebellious. I'll say more about this word when we encounter it, but here, it's simply a word that means a servant. Later on, we're going to see that this servant is rather young, probably an adolescent male, and it's not God's will that this one should be sick. And if you keep reading here, it says that he was about to, and the word here is end, meaning he was about at his end. What do we understand from that? He's very close to dying. And we read on, look if you would to the last part of verse 2 where it says, Who was to him, meaning this one, this servant, was to this one, meaning this centurion, he was. And the word here can be valuable, but in this context, it probably has to do with that which is precious to him. In other words, this Roman centurion and the servant was probably Jewish. He was precious to this one. He cared for him. And notice what is going to happen. Look now to verse 3. But having heard concerning Yeshua, hearing about Yeshua changes everything. We see that he is being presented here, and I'm speaking about Yeshua, as the one that can overcome evil in this world. Meaning through Yeshua, things can be restored. They can be put back into God's will. 
And if you're wise, you are going to want your life to reflect the will of God. And it's only through faith in him that that can become a reality. You reject him, you deny him, you do not submit to his authority, and you will not be in God's will. And when you're not in God's will, you won't have access to his provision. You won't see things correctly, and you will be easily deceived by the enemy, and you will be defeated by the enemy. You will not know that joy. You will not experience that peace that passes all understanding. But with Yeshua, these things God will bless you with. So after hearing concerning Yeshua, he sent to him, and who did he send? This Roman soldier, he sent the elders of the Jewish people in that community. And it's going to be quite remarkable what these elders said, how they interceded for the centurion. And obviously, if I'm right and this young servant is Jewish, obviously that they would want this one to be healed as well. But we're going to see a very unusual statement by these elders of the Jewish people. For they are asking him, thus you should come to do what? To save his servant. Now, this is a great example of the word for saving. This word is sazo. In this form, there is a prefix, a preposition that is used as a prefix that is attached to the beginning of this world word. And whenever it appears, it has to do with something that is thorough all the way. So they were asking, and that's what that word means. I realize some Bibles will say begging, but it's simply a word of request. These elders went to Yeshua having been instructed by the centurion to ask him that he would heal. And this is what we're talking about. Yes, this word in certain contexts, it can mean saving, like saving one from sins. But in its essence, what this word is about is restoring things to God's order, putting things in a proper way. It can relate to financial blessing. It can relate to healing from sickness and disease. It can relate to spiritual healing and, and exorcism. Or it can be used in regard to salvation, as I said, the forgiveness of sins and being brought into the kingdom of God. Here, it's simply used in a way that there would be a thorough healing, that this one, this young servant, would be restored to health in the fullest sense. And notice the outcome. We see in this passage of Scripture, look now to verse 4, that, that those having arrived before Yeshua, what did they do? Well, the simple word here is that they were encouraging Yeshua. They were encouraging him to respond to this centurion's request and notice what it says. They did so diligently, saying that he is worthy. Now, to me, this is such a statement. 
for a group of elders from the Jewish community to go to Yeshua and say concerning a Roman soldier. Again, in the simple understanding, the Romans were the oppressors. The Romans were the enemy. But yet, this group of elders from the Jewish community of Kafarnahum or Capernaum, they went before Yeshua, they interceded, they asked him, and they encouraged him, saying that this one is worthy, that, that you should do this. They want Yeshua's assistance. They want his response to their requests. Look at verse 5. Now we're going to see why these uh, elders of the Jewish people said what they said. Why did they think he was worthy? Well, notice what it says, verse 5. For he loves our nation. Did you hear that? Now, remember, this centurion is going to have a faith that impresses Yeshua. And what do we see about him? First and foremost, what's said? He loves our nation. Let me just be really clear about something. If you are a believer, but you don't love Israel, you have a spiritual problem. Just that simple. If you do not love Israel, let me give you a way that you show contempt for God and for the people of God. And that is if you use the term Palestine. Palestine is not a pleasing word to God. The term Palestine comes from the same root for the Philistines. And they were always against David. David personifies, remember the term son of David. So let's be proper. Let's be like this centurion that says that he loves our people. And what else? And the synagogue he built for us. Now, what does that say? Well, he loves the Jewish people, loves the nation of Israel. And he's also, the fact that he built a synagogue shows that he's also concerned for their spiritual well-being. Some very important things that you should learn from this passage. Love the Jewish people. Love the nation of Israel. And be concerned. Do what you can in order to impact them spiritually in the proper way. That's what we learn from this passage. Look at verse 6. But Yeshua, he was going with them. Now, here again, if you don't look at the original language, you miss a lot. As our radio show is named, much is lost in translation. Because this verb for he was going is in the imperfect tense. What does that mean? And here again. There's no relationship between the Greek imperfect and the Hebrew imperfect. The Hebrew imperfect is just the future. But the Greek imperfect, well, we say he was going. And when the imperfect appears, what should we anticipate? A change. And by the way, that's exactly what we're going to see. The imperfect is used to point out to the reader that a change is coming. Yeshua, he was asked 
you come with us and you come and you kill this young servant of this Roman centurion. And we would anticipate that's going to happen, but because of the imperfect tense, we should expect a change. Look at the second part of verse 6. But already he, being not at a distance. So he responded, he was coming, and he was not at a great distance. He was close, in other words, to this house. And what happens? Well, not being a distance from the house, what happens? The satyrian. He sent, read very carefully, he sent to him, meaning the satyrian sent to Yeshua, friends saying to him, and notice this next word, Lord. This man heard about Yeshua, and he responded to him based upon what he heard, and remember what Paul teaches. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. He heard God's testimony concerning Yeshua, how he taught, what things that he did, these miracles, and therefore he sent his friends to Yeshua. And notice what happens. Very significant. Look at the middle of verse 6 where it says, Lord, do not trouble, and the implication is, do not trouble yourself. Why? Now, even though the elders of Kephar the Jewish elders, said, and they gave two reasons why, this centurion, he is worthy, and they encouraged Yeshua to do it, and he was going to do it. But what happens? The centurion says, read carefully here, Middle of verse 6 where it says, For I am not worthy that under my roof you should come. Now, what else do we see? We're going to see that this centurion, he had a lofty position in the Roman army, but he was also a humble man. If you're going to have a faith that impresses God, you also need to be humble. Don't believe what everyone says about you, whether it's good things or bad things. You need to develop God's perspective for your life, what he thinks about you. And this one says, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Verse 7. Therefore, he says, neither am I myself worthy to come to you. So he says, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. The implication is that, that this young Jewish servant is at the Saturian's residence. And he says, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house, nor am I worthy that I should go to you. But what does he say? Notice. He simply says, but you say the word, and my servant will be healed. Realize something. We've come now to that significant word, and it's the Greek word pious. Now, didn't say pious, but a Greek word, pious. What is that? 
It simply means a young adolescent male. And it's interesting. You know, in the book of Acts, we see that Luke used this word in regard to the relationship between God the Father and God the Son, meaning it was used in regard to this relationship between Yeshua and his heavenly Father. And we see that many times there was once a man who had a son that was demonically possessed, and this son would frequently hurt himself, but that word for son is this word. And here's the problem. Why am I laboring this word? Because in many seminaries, and we're hearing more and more that this word is used to express a relationship between an older man and a younger adolescent male. And that relationship that, that so-called scholars are speaking about is one which I would call an abomination. They're saying it uses it is used to describe a relationship, a homosexual one between an older male and a younger male. That is blasphemous. It is false. And there is absolutely no evidence biblically, scripturally, in the Greek language to support this. Are they wanting to say that Yeshua, Jesus Christ has a, a, a homosexual relationship with his heavenly father. That a father and son, as this word is used and I mentioned, also describes that. All they're doing is, is saying this. There's a Greek word. They know that most people don't know Greek. And therefore, they throw it out to justify their wicked. And it's just that. Their wicked, perverted desires to justify what God says is an abomination. And let me share with you, we're hearing more and more, if you take that stance, that is going to be problematic. There's, for example, in Canada, if you speak like this, they want to throw you off a network. Well, so be it. We will never compromise the truth. See, what are we called to do? We're called to obey the word of God. We're called to speak truth. And if that means some network doesn't want us, so be it. God never says to me, you have to be on this network. He's never said that to me. But what he does tell me is I need to obey and represent his word properly. And as I've said several times concerning Dr. Stanley, who, as I'm sure you know, recently passed away. What did he teach? Simply this, obey God and leave the consequences to him. So simple, such a profound statement. Obey God and let him deal with the consequences. We're not called to think about, well, if I obey God, what might happen? That's up to him. God is greater than anything in this world, so we should obey him. So notice what it says. Look at the, the, the end of, uh, or in the verse 7 where it says, And my servant shall be healed. And again, it's a different word for healing. It's in the passive, in the Texas Receptus. And in the Nestle Allen, it is in the past tense. Now, it's obviously future. It's in the past subjunctive in Nestle Allen. Why do they put it in that? Because the past tense can also show something that has not yet happened, but what it does, 
it will do so in the most fullest way, in the most complete way. And that's what Messiah's healing brought about. Look now to verse 8 where he says, For I am a man also under authority, having been appointed, having under myself soldiers. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does. So he says, I get how authority works. And what is he saying? That he knows that Yeshua is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He simply gives the order and it will be. You know what else this points to? See, whenever Yeshua is, is portrayed, and rightly so, as saying something and his word brings about the result, it points to his divinity. And it's very clear that this centurion, he understood the divinity of Christ. And if you don't understand that he is the only begotten son of God, the divine son of God, you have not accepted the gospel. Look at verse 9. And after hearing these things, Yeshua. So after Yeshua heard these words of the centurion, it says, he marveled at this one. Now, this is a one for being impressed. Yeshua was so impressed with this one. Why? He understood kingdom authority. Do you? It says here that Yeshua marveled at him and he turned to the crowd following after him and he says, I say to you, not even in Israel such faith I have found. What an impressive statement. Concerning this of all people, this Roman centurion. But why? He submitted to authority and he understood the authority of God one last verse and we'll conclude verse 10 and the ones having been sent to the house they turned away and what happens and they found and literally it says this sick servant and how did they find him it uses a third word they found him healthy, being healed. But literally, at the end of verse 10, they found him healthy. And what does Messiah want to do in your life? He wants to bring spiritual healing to you. But you will only receive that healing if you understand his absolute authority over your life. Until you do, you're not going to have the perspective. You're not going to see things correctly. You're going to make poor decisions. You rebel against his authority. And you are inviting the defeat that the enemy will bring upon you into your life. Be wise. Impress him. Demonstrate in your actions and your words that you are under his authority. And you know what? You will never regret submitting to him. Because he is indeed God Almighty. He knows all things follow him. Submit. And you're going to see his power being released in your life. 
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.